0: From the Defense Acquisition University, this is the Learning Circle.
1: This is the Learning Circle. I'm Anthony Rotolo, and this is the show for Learning Professionals by Learning Professionals. It's brought to you by DAU. And I'm joined today by one of my DAU colleagues, Dr. Marina Theodotu. Dr. Theodotu leads organizational change projects at DAU for the User Experience Directorate. Most recently, she spent a six month rotation as the Director for Learning Experience at Naval X, the Navy's innovation cell. Exciting things happening in the learning world. Marina, welcome.
0: Anthony, it's always a pleasure to be with you in one of your episodes. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm thrilled that we can do this today. Now, in addition to all of that, Marina, you are a contributing author to the new book. It's just out from ATD Press. They're the premier name in the learning and development industry. The book is called Forward Focused Learning, and you contribute a chapter about learning ecosystems. And it's titled The Five Building Blocks of a Learning Ecosystem. I read that chapter. It's a very practical chapter. You really kind of tell us what to do. But it's also backed by a lot of research woven into it, which readers will appreciate, because not only do you tell us the the what, but you also tell us the why. There's a kind of a, a sense of urgency created and a, a reasoning behind five components that you identify as the building blocks of a learning ecosystem. Now, I'd like to step through some of those highlights of the chapter with you today. But to kind of set the table for our listeners, I want to say that first of all, when it comes to user experience, I think the most common experience that online learners have had is how they've come into contact with the venerable LMS or learning management system. And, you know, the learning management system does in a way create a kind of ecosystem. It's the environment that we are in when we're taking courses or modules, uh, various things online. But what you are identifying, identifying in this chapter is something a little different. It's a breed apart. It's a newer evolution, I think. And I wonder if you can start us there. Uh, Maybe you can tell us where have we come and gone as an industry? In other words, if the LMS is giving way to this idea of ecosystem, please paint the full picture for us.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Anthony. So you... Pointed out a very fundamental starting point, which is the learning management system, which traditionally has been the end all be all of learning. And as we've seen in the last three to five years, things have changed significantly in the way that learners learn. And of course, during the last year, the year of the pandemic, we have seen everything transform in the way we live, in the way we do business, in the way we work, and of course, in the way we learn. So it's been such an incredible journey to highlight the need to create and have a learning ecosystem in place so that organizations can empower and inspire their employees to learn and grow. So what I'm highlighting in the chapter that you mentioned I'm super excited that ATD invited me to write this uh, chapter along with a number of other fellow thought leaders in learning and development there is 11 chapters in the book and my chapter is uh, number 4 so what I'm focusing there as you pointed out are the five practical elements the building blocks so the people the content the technology the data and the governance so technology follows what the people need. And the learning management system, it's exactly what its title says. It was built so that organizations could manage their learning. It's not user-focused. It's not focused on what the user needs. It's focused on what the organization needs to manage all the content it has available to push out to the learner. So in the last three to five years, we've seen an explosion of other technologies, including the learning experience platform that, from a practical perspective, sits on top of an LMS or can be a standalone learning experience platform that actually is focused on the user and highlights and takes into consideration the user need, what kind of learning do they like, what format do they want. Is it a short course? Is it live online? Is it a video? Is it an article? Is it a podcast? When do they want to learn? And basically promotes this learning anywhere, anytime, anyway. So there we have it. We have this empowerment of the learner through technology, but that's not enough. Technology is always, in my mind, the enabler. So you have a couple of other components that are important in building this learning ecosystem. So the content is critical. If the content is old and stale and dense and daunting, it's not going to inspire or help the learner learn. And it's not going to get you to the business outcome that you need, where you need your employees to have these new particular skills so that they can tackle the change out there.
1: You talk about that. I just want to interrupt you there a moment there because I really had appreciated that you you begin with the people and you you start with a a great sense of urgency. Yes. There's a lot of change afoot. I think you answered that question. The learning management system, really, when you think about it, it's been kind of a glorified vending machine where people register and they got the traditional e-learning product, which was the sort of page turning, for the most part, types of content But we're in kind of a new frontier with many modes and, Mm -hmm. you know, it takes the learning industry a little time for the light bulb to shine brightly over our heads sometimes. But I think we're finally understanding that we're not in control. It's not about us controlling our content. It's about user habits and what they want. And it's almost capricious. We don't know what they're going to do or where they're going to go next. I guess I want to ask you that how does an ecosystem, a learning ecosystem, solve that problem or address that need of the user really being in control of the mode, the manner, the, the where, the when? What does that look like?
0: Yes, that's a great question. Just like in out in nature, an ecosystem is where different organisms, and uh, I'm thinking of a, an aquarium or, or out in the Barrier Reef, you have an ecosystem where you have all these different species and organisms symbiotically living and thriving together together. So if we take that and we bring it into the learning context, then we have all these players. You have the learner themselves. Typically, they are the employee of of the organization. At DAU, we are actually training 183,000 members of the DOD acquisition workforce. And we also have the DAU workforce internally. So we are addressing a dual audience. Other learning organizations out there, within industry or in government or in nonprofits, uh, they also have to focus most likely on their employees. And the question is why? Why do we need to help employees learn? Because of the velocity, the volume, the complexity of change out there. It's so fast, and learning, it's the only way that we can tackle change so it is incredibly important for organizations to create a learning ecosystem because without lifelong learning we're not going to be able to catch up to all the changes that are happening and we have ai we have machine learning we have quantum coming up we're actually conducting a later this week i'm having a conversation with an academic uh, an industry expert and someone from and a futurist from the dod talking about quantum and how do we get quantum the workforce quantum ready. So within the learning ecosystem, the organization has a responsibility to think about what are the business outcomes we need. So tying learning to business outcomes and then dialing that back and saying, okay, those business outcomes require these skills. Do our people have these skills? And if not, then we need to curate content or bring them content that will help them build on those skills so they can deliver on those business outcomes that we're looking to achieve.
1: This brings it very close to home because DAU Mm -hmm. is, as you well know, our audience may not know, is going through a transformation. Mm -hmm. It's a real transformation. You know, uh, in this learning and development world, the world can be changing around you. And if you're kind of an island, still in the, just merely the learning management system model you can't be the organization that can feed. I, I love the metaphor of the biological ecosystem because it's something where you can't really predict it. They, they're just uh, like, you know, creatures and fish living in the ocean. There's a whole chain mm-hmm. and uh survival's a good word here, too, that the, going back mm-hmm. to the people, the urgency of surviving as individuals in your career, as organizations that must evolve as well. So I think what I'm doing here is just pausing to digest what you've just have given us, which is, um, you know, a sense of that urgency and how, again, the users are in control. But we we have a sense of the people. This this really begins and ends with people. This is not a a short or cheap task, though, to build an ecosystem, right? There is a technological picture to be painted as well. And you've touched on a, a little bit of it, of it but I, I want you to kind of give us a sense of what can we expect? You do map the journey. You actually sort of diagram it for us. And it's, it's one of those helpful you are here map type of things where you can say, oh, we're, we're either, you know, uh, adopting it now or we're here or there. What does the journey look like and what can an organization expect if they're going to build this potentially daunting thing called an ecosystem?
0: Yes, so as you mentioned, it's it's not an easy task. Uh, it's actually a number of tasks, and uh, it's not a one and done. A learning ecosystem is a growing, living thing. So you have to feed it and and let it organically. You have to help it, but then let it organically continue to grow. An ecosystem is not finished ever. It uh, it continues to grow and morph and uh, If you have the right ingredients in place, just as we talked about, the people, the learner, the content creator, the leader of the organization, uh, the stakeholder who may be your business leader, the person or the organization that funds your learning practices, all of those players make up your people. Then you have the content, which has to be crisp and clear and in the format that the learners want. And This implies that you're going to go out there and talk to your users and listen to them so that you can figure out what it is that they need, when do they need it, what format do they need it, and then you bring that back and you uh, ensure that your content reflects that. We talked a little bit about the technology. There are some elements here that that are missing. So you have the LMS, you have the learning experience platform, you have the learning record store, and then, of course, you have the XAPI capability that actually connects all these disparate systems and tracks all the learning activities that uh, the learners do. So it's critical to have all these technological capabilities in place so that you can make sure that you are listening to your your learners, you're collecting data. And data is our fourth element. Data is so critical. Data-driven decisions, learning how to collect the data from the users about their preferences, their needs, their concerns, And translating that into products and services so that we can then meet their needs. One organization that comes to mind that has done this brilliantly is Stitch Fix from the clothing industry, where they came in and they just listened to the the users, listened to people about what it is that they're actually looking for when it comes to clothing, gathered all this data and built incredibly complex and Smart algorithms that actually provide recommendations of clothing and an improved life experience to men, women, and children. So, when StitchFit first came out, they were uh, they were not taken seriously, but very quickly, within five years, they grew into a billion dollar organization because they were able to capture data in a way that was meaningful and then translate the data into products and services that the users needed. The last component is governance. So governance is critical because you need to put the building blocks there so that you can not micromanage, but enable. The word that comes to my mind is enable. You need some guardrails to enable this ecosystem to grow. So for example, We hear oftentimes that to create a new coral reef, you can drop in old vessels, you drop into the ocean old vessels. So those serve as the starting point for the new ecosystem to start growing. So from a governance perspective, we need to put in place, so the technology is one one great example of that, as, as is content. So technology and content are the two elements that need to be governed by the organization Mm -hmm. and uh, provided so that the people, it always comes back to the people and the users, can actually take the content and grow from there. So in building the ecosystem, you need to know where you are. And in the chapter, I superimpose two pieces of research. One is the law of diffusion of innovation. So I'm borrowing that. And that's the familiar tipping point. You need to... Arrive at almost the 16%. So, on your bell curve, you, you have your innovators and then you have your early adopters. So, you need to be hitting that 16%, which is out of every 100 people, you need 16 people that are already on board with what you're doing. So, if you're introducing an LXP, you need at least 16 people there who will embrace all the new content and the new learning ecosystem and help you drive that, and grow the ecosystem further to the early majority and the late majority, et cetera. So they
1: become your, your influencers, I think, exactly. to make it permeate the rest of society.
0: The other part that I'm superimposing is the, is the uh, ecosystem. It's the startup ecosystem uh, research that divides the growth of your ecosystem in three phases. First, you have the activation phase, then you have the adoption phase, and then you have the integration phase. And in the chapter, I give you the the hints. How do you know where you are? So you can, most likely in your organization, if you're listening to us today, you have some type of learning ecosystem in place, but you don't know where you are. So in the chapter, you'll be able to find out, okay, I've done these five things or these two things. It looks like I'm in the activation phase or the adoption phase. So you can find out where you are on the map and then go from there and grow. It's a commitment of the organization. And I can't highlight enough how critical it is today. We hear how organizations were able to transform and be able to address the challenge brought to us by the pandemic. And I am thinking of Pfizer in particular, because they transformed completely internally the way they developed the vaccine. they shortened the times. But in the background, they had a very strong learning ecosystem. So they were able to iterate fast and learn very fast as they were going along. I was listening to the Pfizer uh, CEO, Albert Bourla, uh, on a podcast a few weeks ago, and he was saying how now what they're doing, they're looking to apply that same process that they came up with in shortening the time of developing the vaccine into other pharmaceutical areas. So for example, he did mention this, how do they take that process and learn from it and apply it into cancer? into oncology so that you can actually cut down the time and research and everything involved in that ecosystem of uh, developing a cancer drug or more. I mean, we have several cancer drugs, but uh, more powerful drugs. So there are so so many um, examples this year of how a learning ecosystem has allowed organizations where agile to become more nimble but also highlighted that those organizations that uh, were not big on learning and leveraging learning and learning fast and pivoting, they didn't do so well. So we have organizations, uh, the restaurant industry, uh, a lot of restaurants couldn't keep up with, with all the changes. Many restaurants changed the way they delivered the product and the experience to their customers. For example, some of the high end restaurants, they actually pre packaged all the ingredients and they created a podcast. And now they're sending you the ingredients and then mm. you're are attending a podcast. So you can actually cook with the chef because you now have the package that you received of the, all those special ingredients. So you can actually create, co create the meal and the experience that otherwise you would have gone to the restaurant. And all of this has been done because organizations. Listen to their uh, customers and then brought all that information inside and quickly created new ways of learning and delivering products. All of these examples are highlighting a learning ecosystem. And if we look at them, we can see the five elements, how they were broken down and how they were brought together to actually. Tackle change. That's the bottom
1: line. Yeah, there's a lot in there to unpack. A couple of things that's, that I think is a truism throughout every sector you can imagine is how, how last year, 2020, has really been an accelerant. It, it got everybody online where I think a lot more measurement can happen and you're getting, you're creating the the type of feedback loop that creates the iteration, the evolution that you're talking about, where you can improve as you capture user habits. I wanted to have you connect some of these dots. We've identified the parts and pieces. A few beats back, you mentioned XAPI. And that's a word that some of our learners may not be familiar with, but I think it holds a key to understanding how an ecosystem makes things better for users. Can, can you just provide like a layman's definition of what XAPI does for us?
0: Absolutely. And so XAPI is so powerful and uh, it starts... it. It stands for Experience Application Programming Interface. And the way I think of it is like a thread. It threads the activity, the learning activity that the user does, every learning activity, every video we watch, every book we read, every article we read, every course we attend, and then connects via a software specification that data. So the activity that you did, did you read? Did you complete? a game? Did you complete a learning module? All of that data is sent back to the learning record store, which records the activities of a learner. So you can actually collect all that information. And it's so powerful because it's so telling as to what it is that we are doing when we are learning. It helps the organization adapt its products its learning content to the needs of the user, but also helps the organization promote and curate new content that the user may not have found yet or will be needing down the line. So it's so critical. Again, going back to data, this is XAPI. It's it's a data collector, essentially, that helps An organization understands better the learning behavior of uh, its users and uh, enables the organization to make better decisions, data-driven decisions with regards to what content do we need to send out there? When do we need to to send it out there? What uh, format does it need to be in? What time does it need to be available? Usually, content is available anytime, anywhere. So it's a really a powerful capability that DAU is uh, now fully looking to leverage with the recent acquisition of a learning record store. So very exciting things happening at DAU. There is a whole team within our own directorate that's leading that effort. Then we have experts that are Leading uh, all all of this in building the ecosystem bigger and better within uh, DAU.
1: Yeah, I love how XAPI just means that everything counts. Correct. When you're naturally learning, it's like if I, I, you know, like uh, recently I was looking up how to cook a certain kind of fish, but, you know, applied to closer to home and into some professional context, you know, you may start with an article, you may look up a YouTube video, you may uh, take a course, but that type of like almost unplanned, capricious way that the user is in charge, we can't predict who's going to start with what, when, uh, but it all gets caught on that and captured on that learning record store. And it is valuable because it, it means that the learner gets credit. In the aggregate, they've learned a lot of things about a certain subject and accounts. I, I just love that. And I love how we can, instead of making the learner check boxes in sequence, we can let them accumulate their own check boxes and and they'll be checked but the learner was in charge all the all the time. Very, very interesting concept. I want to ask you a final question about the technology, just connecting the dots. Do you think it's true that a lot of organizations have built, in, maybe in a haphazard, unplanned way, they've been building new kinds of content, be it microlearning or different things that they're experimenting with, and they can kind of turn around and see the pieces of what could become a learning ecosystem with some formal drive and planning behind it. Do you think that's a, a truism as we look around?
0: I think so. Yeah, I think that organizations and our listeners here, they, they probably will recognize some of the elements and probably haven't been deliberate in thinking about building our ecosystem. But if we look around our organization, we probably have all of these elements. The key is to connect them. So, of course, you have learners, you have some type of technology where you're providing uh, content to your learners. You probably gather some data and, and within learning, in our learning context, measuring learning and the impact of learning is almost like the holy grail. So, being more deliberate about connecting the five building blocks and also identifying other building blocks. You may have other building blocks that are critical within your organization, but these five... The people, the content, the technology, the data, and the governance are ubiquitous in every organization. So the opportunity here for our listeners is to look at the elements that you have and see how you can better connect them so that you can create and foster this uh, your existing ecosystem Look at the chart and figure out where you are on the path, where you are, where where are you on the journey Mm -hmm. and and go from there so you can continue building and uh, enhancing the ecosystem so that you can benefit the learner. We want to benefit the learner because they need to have all the tools, the skills, the motivation and the infrastructure that they need to be successful, because if they're successful, the organization is successful. If they're able to learn and love the experience of learning that we offer them as organizations, then I guarantee you that your performance, your performance as an organization is gonna go up. There is, this is there's an undeniable connection between uh, the employee experience and the organizational performance.
1: Marina, this has been so helpful so far. I have, I have a final question I want to ask, though. What binds it together for an organization and and perpetuates the ecosystem so that it does flourish?
0: Well, that's a that's a great question, Anthony, and it's a great question for us to wrap this up because the glue to the learning ecosystem is the culture. It's it's the learning culture, a culture of learning. So an organization that fosters that. And it starts with the learning and development team and department can actually ensure that their learning ecosystem is is well balanced and growing. So the next question, uh, probably your audience has, well, how do you how do you build a learning culture, a culture of learning? So I've distilled three steps that I share in the chapter. And uh, each step has um, particular tasks that you can do. But uh, here, I just want to share the three steps. So we've heard of them before, but uh, I, I'm putting them all together uh, in an in easy-to-follow um, process. So the first one is fostering confidence, creativity, and communication within your learning and development team. So the underlying theme here is trust and psychological safety, which are so critical. We've we've seen uh, the research by Dr. Amy Edmondson out of Harvard highlight that and we've seen how important that has been, uh, psychological safety this year. So what what that really means is um, helping teams and organizations to feel safe, that if they make a mistake, uh, it's okay. They can learn from it and uh, move on. So, And also, it it helps communication and open communication, because if members of the learning and development team have new ideas, but they're afraid to share them, then that's uh, detrimental to the organization. So what, what we want as learning and development organizations to foster creativity and communication and confidence within our teams, because by communicating openly and encouraging innovative thinking, we can get new ideas. And new ideas are fodder for for growth. So
1: It's a failing forward type of ethic.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. So the second step is this metric alignment. We talked about it earlier. How do you pull the thread from what the organization needs to achieve? What are the business outcomes that we need uh, at the business level? And pulling the thread all the way back to learning and development, which I'm distilling here is aligning to the CEO's agenda. So Many learning In my research, I've seen that many learning and development organizations, L&D teams, are measuring the wrong things. You need to be measuring the right things. And how do you know you're measuring the right things? Well, you need to figure out what are the metrics that the business is looking at and pull that back into a learning and development context. So alignment is critical. And with that, you need a strategic plan uh, to make sure that OKRs or metrics, however you define them within your organization, meaningful, but you also have a a plan of how you're going to implement them. And then the third step is cultivating continuous improvement. That's, again, goes back to the lifelong learning. An individual learner, we need to foster lifelong learning in them, but for a learning and development team, we need to foster a continuous improvement mentality within L&D and within the organization as a whole. So how do you do that? You benchmark with the best Companies out there. You go outside your industry and you find who does this really well. Let me learn from them. Um, you can reach out to them, and, and this is not about strategic sharing strategic um, uh, secrets, but it's about learning from each other with regards to processes that uh, are working well. You can seek accreditation if you're a corporate university. Uh, if your organization has a corporate university, that's a very powerful. Process because it forces you to really review and do an internal audit, if you will, of all of your practices and make sure they jive and connect. And uh, when the accrediting organization visits you, then you showcase everything that you've done and you get evaluated. Uh, and the third thing that I recommend is applying for industry awards. You can do this whether your corporate university or your LD, uh, it's just l and D team. That's, uh, again, a great exercise because you articulate what you've achieved and uh, it helps you benchmark against yourself. And this is inspiring to not only the organization and your L&D team, but also your learners. So if your learners see that, wow, the L&D team won awards, that means they're recognized they're doing something right. That helps build the trust between the learner and the L&D team. And of course, it elevates the standard of of excellence within your L&D and your organization. So these are the three steps that uh, I recommend for organizations to build a cultural learning, which is the glue to your learning ecosystem.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's both a top-down thing. It's also a sort of a bottom-up that, again, that natural ecosystem model in terms of the real behavior of learners. All of these things come together. My guest today has been Dr. Marina Theodotu. This is a thrill because she's a a colleague of mine here at DAU, as I mentioned. The book, for those who want to pick up a copy, is called Forward Focused Learning. It's out from the Association for Talent Development, ATD. It's chock-filled with a lot of learning luminaries. It's edited by Tamar Elkeles, forward by Kimo Kippen. A lot of great people inside. But look for Chapter 4, The Building Blocks of a Learning Ecosystem. Dr. Theodotu, thank you again for being with us today.
0: Anthony, funny. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: Great. I hope to have you again soon sometime. I'd love that. Fantastic. Look forward to it. Thanks again. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening. To catch up on all of our shows, subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Learning Circle is produced and distributed by the Defense Acquisition University.